This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G. And coming up on this week's show, we'll tell you why Spencer Sanders should be the Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. Heck, he should just be the Player of the Year in the Big 12. But you know what? We'll tell you why the award should be named after him. We'll also look ahead to Oklahoma State, Kansas State, OU, Iowa State. We'll make our Big 12 picks and discuss what you're really getting when you throw millions of dollars at coaches. Now, normally, I would start the show with where Eric was right, where Eric was wrong. But if you've listened to this show any length of time, then you know, for the exception of the picks segment, I don't really do any bold predictions. Plus, it's a tired bit. Colin Cowherd owns it. We were ripping off him. And no, he hadn't threatened to sue us, which if he did, go right ahead because all the best radio bits are stolen anyway. And dude, like what what can I do? You, you want to sue me? All right, I'll, I'll buy you lunch at McDonald's coming up this next week. In fact, the only bold prediction I made last week that was wrong that I was wrong about was that Kansas State would be TCU. No, that didn't happen. And I did say OSU would beat Texas, which I didn't feel was all that bold, and I was right about that. So that's it. That's the end of where Eric was right, where Eric was wrong. Now let's talk about the biggest badass in the Big 12 this year, and that is Spencer Sanders, quarterback at Oklahoma State. In fact, he is one tough Samuel L. Jackson. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Samuel L. Jackson. You know what his favorite word is in every single movie that he's in. Now, Spencer Sanders is by far and away the Offensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. And yes, there will be arguments made for Max Duggan for everything that he's doing for TCU, and certainly he deserves to be in the discussion. But there isn't anyone in this conference that has played and proved to be more mentally and physically tough than Spencer Sanders. Now, what am I talking about? Well, first and foremost, this guy's throwing shoulders hurt. He sits out all of last week's practice, or not last week's, but the week before, and still goes ahead and plays in the TCU game, had Oklahoma State in position to win that. You know that throwing shoulder of his isn't any better this week than it was last week, and as Coach Pat Jones would say, um, he's probably getting help from his friends. It's nothing illegal, but you're probably getting shot up to feel as little pain as possible. And still, with that hurt shoulder, he attempted 57 passes against Texas. Not only that, you saw him run on a third and 16. You saw this guy try and slide, didn't get down quick enough, got hit by two different Texas players, and all he did was continue to get up and play his butt off. And last year where it was a situation where Oklahoma State's defense would have to bail Spencer Sanders out if he threw an interception or the offense was taken off the field or or the offense couldn't convert and get a first down, this year it is the other way around. Oklahoma State's defense wasn't very good overall against Texas. In fact, they haven't been good the last couple of weeks. Save for the line. Colin Oliver's good every week. Trace Ford is good every week. Linebacker Mason Cobb is usually good every week. In fact, Mason Cobb had three, three big plays this past week. And we always say that Mason Cobb is good for one big play per week. He had three big plays this past week against Texas. 
But now you see Spencer Sanders in a situation where Oklahoma State's defense in that second and third level still has issues, can still give up big plays, has issues tackling, and with Texas firmly in command of that game, and I know Oklahoma State's defense played better in the second half than they did the first, but Sanders has to come through. Third and long situations. He's Oklahoma State's best running back. Dominic Richards is a good short yardage running back, and he didn't play the entire second half. We saw Ollie Gordon play. We saw Ollie Gordon play against Texas, but when Oklahoma State needs to run the ball, you want Spencer Sanders running the ball. You don't want any of the running backs running it. And the other thing about Spencer Sanders, because one playing hurt, and, and let's talk about this real quick before before I get off on. Uh, just sort of some weird tangent here. Let's talk about this real quick. There probably isn't a player in the Big 12 more respected by his teammates than Spencer Sanders is. Possibly Duggan. I think him and Duggan are, are very interesting stories this year. Duggan is respected because Duggan could have easily walked out on TCU. He could have said to heck with it. I'm not playing. I'm I'm the backup. It's Chandler Morris's job. I'll just go someplace else where I get the opportunity to start, which is very in vogue for most college quarterbacks to do. But Duggan decided to stay. Morris got hurt. Duggan has won the job. He's not getting it back. And you know his teammates absolutely love him for it. Spencer Sanders, on the other hand, one, throwing shoulder hurt, right shoulder hurt. It's it's, it's a mess. And it's it's probably not going to get any better this year because he's not going to have enough rest in order to get it better until the offseason comes around. And even though a lot of us, myself included, believe Oklahoma State can win with Gunnar Gundy, Gundy doesn't have that same kind of edge that Sanders does, or at least we don't know if he has that same kind of edge that Sanders does. So you're going out, you're playing hurt, you're willing to get shot up, whatever, and you're still willing to take risk with your body, yeah, your teammates are absolutely going to love you. And mentally tough. There is not a more mentally tough kid, maybe in the entire country, compared to Spencer Sanders. Think about how many people have ripped him for his entire career at Oklahoma State. This is a guy that, according to a lot of people, not me, but according to a lot of people, was only going to get you in trouble. What was he going to do? He was going to throw... And yes, he threw an interception last week, and he's, I think he's thrown, what, two or three all year long, but there used to be a time where you would think he was going to throw at least two or three a game. And there were people that couldn't wait for him to leave Oklahoma State. Somebody had the nerve to say to me once that he's not even the best quarterback in the state when Spencer Rattler was around. Think that we have, I think we have proven that Spencer Sanders is a much better quarterback than Spencer Rattler is, okay? And that's not that's not even an argument at this point. But to hear all these negative comments over and over coming from people who who don't even know you, and yet all he did was go out, practice, and get better. All he did was work with Tim Rattay to correct the issues that he was having. At one point, one of the things that, that was so maddening about watching him play was his decision-making. He was very hesitant in his decision-making. And he's gotten over that. I mean, there's no hesitancy. He will throw the ball. He will get it to its playmakers. Just ask J.P. Richardson. 
who, by the way, if I had to have an MVP of this week, because Coach, um, we do an MVP every week or uh, for, for our weekends on our show. Coach was Spencer Sanders, which, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that, especially after you've listened to this. I would have said it's J.P. Richardson, <laughs> by the way. That would have been mine. If he went Spencer Sanders, I went Richardson because Richardson had some big-time plays against Texas. He is very consistent. You know, Is he in that caliber of a Des Bryant, Justin Blackman? Heck, he's probably not even as good as some of the guys on his own team, but he just makes plays. Again, toughness. And Mike Gundy called last week's win over Texas, where he didn't use these exact words, but essentially, it's a culture win. And Mike Gundy did say if Oklahoma State didn't have the culture that it has now, it couldn't have come back and won that game. But it's tough because that's the kind of kids that he goes out and recruits. And that's why Oklahoma State is going to continue to be successful. And I'm not talking about successful like just winning seven, eight games a year. We're talking more nine to 12 and competing for the opportunity to go to the college football playoff. As long as Mike Gundy is there, he is going to continue to recruit mentally, physically tough football players. Guys that look at being down by 17 points or whatever and and just don't blink, don't get scared. That is what's changing about the culture. That is what the culture of Oklahoma State is now. It's just tough. And that's what Brent Venables is supposed to be changing about OU, but he just hasn't got there yet. So for OU fans to be ticked off that OSU is tougher than OU at this moment, I just say give it time. OU's got to give it time. Oklahoma State is an established culture that didn't have a coaching change and didn't have a lot of people leave the program. And the guys that stay in are guys that want to contribute. Now, looking ahead to this game with Kansas State. Now, I'm going to stay on Oklahoma State for a, for a couple more minutes here, but looking ahead to this game with Kansas State, one of the things that we've got to worry about with OSU is whether or not they're going to be healthy in the offensive line. Mike Gundy will not talk about injuries. We're not going to get that information out of him. I mean, you you could go pay him. I mean, heck, you could pay him half of what he's making right now, which is $7 million. Uh, you could throw another $7 million on top of it. He or you know, throw the full amount on top, he's still not going to tell you what we need to know injury-wise. And he says he didn't even want to know unless they were down to five offensive linemen. Um, and In fact, he said today in his press conference that it, it was a situation where he had gotten you know calls from people from up in the press box or wherever that got certain guys needed to be looked at. So you're kind of worried about them being banged up in the offensive line whether or not people can get to Spencer Sanders, we've seen that. And look, no matter how tough he is, you keep hitting on him. Eventually, Spencer Sanders isn't going to play. And then a game like this comes down to Gunnar Gundy being able to make plays. Also, what's going to happen with K-State at quarterback? We still don't know that. Now, Mike Gundy said Adrian Martinez will play. Sort of joked around that he had called and talked to Chris Kleiman about that. And Kleiman confirmed it, which, you know, was funny. But he said that he's gotten to the point where he's done this so long, he can tell when somebody's coming off. And Martinez took himself out of the TCU game last week, and Mike Gundy believes with rest, um, it will be him. However, if you've got to play Will Howard, that's not a bad choice for Kansas State. Um, OU fans would love to have a quarterback as good as Will Howard 
in their stable right now. They don't even have anybody close to that. Big, strong, can throw the ball, accurate, and can run. God, I love that quarterback power run game. Um, we don't know what what's going to happen with that. For some reason, Oklahoma State is a one-and-a-half-point dog to Kansas State right now, and I think that is simply just based on uncertainty about the Oklahoma State offensive line. Or somebody knows who's playing quarterback for Kansas State, and that's why they're the favorites. But honestly, give me a reason to pick against the Cowboys. Give me one reason to pick against Oklahoma State right now because I can't do it. And when Oklahoma State needs something good to happen throughout a game, you just have to believe that either Spencer Sanders, Mason Cobb, Brennan Presley, J.P. Richardson, Colin Oliver, um, Lacey, any one of these guys, as my pin goes flying, is going to be able to make a play and help OSU win the game. All right, coming up next here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition, uh, we'll take a look ahead to OU's upcoming game with Iowa State. It's a very important game for OU, but what are some of the major concerns for this? We'll tell you next. It's the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I'm Eric G. Oklahoma plays Iowa State. OU a one-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, or at least at the moment that uh, this podcast is being recorded. And, wow, um, one-and-a-half points. Yeah, okay, first of all, OU shouldn't be favored by any more than that. And... Let's just be real about where OU is at this point with with what games they have coming up. OU could win out. Yes, Oklahoma, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, OU could beat OSU. It's Bedlam. Strange things happen. OSU's going to be favored. They're the better team right now. But don't sleep on the fact that OU could win that game. But OU could also lose every game here on out on their schedule. This this is going to sound harsh, but it's true. This is the least talented OU team I have seen in my 50 years on the planet Earth. It doesn't mean they're bad. They're just not to the caliber of talent that we're used to seeing in Norman. They're not, they're not even close. And people are saying, well, what about those days back in the 90s under John Blake? What about the one year under Howard Schnellenberger? You have to remember that during that time, OU did put a lot of players in the NFL. I mean, if you're just, first of all, just running backs-wise, you don't have a running back in this program that is better than DeMond Parker was. Not even close. So don't don't tell me that. You don't have defensive, you don't have a defensive lineman as good as Kelly Gregg. You don't have a Cedric Jones that that is playing for OU right now. I'm not even sure your quarterbacks are as good as Eric Moore and Garrick McGee, and I don't say that to just rip guys or downgrade them. They're just good college football players. Nobody on this team is great. They're good. Stutzman shows signs of being great. Canick shows signs of being great. You know, Marvin Mims, I think Marvin Mims has an opportunity to be a pretty good NFL football player. If he gets that, when he gets that opportunity, I said, if, when he gets that opportunity. But other than that, I, you know, Drake Stoops, let's face it, Drake Stoops is the number two choice right now. Good player, great player. But I mean, you're not going to confuse him with some of the other receivers that OU has had throughout their history. So yeah, this is the least talented team I've seen, but it's a, a team that despite their three losses in a row where they got hammered, 
seems to be back on track, mainly because of Dylan Gabriel. The defense does worry you some, but as I think as I think we saw with the Kansas game, the formula is pretty simple for Oklahoma. Outscore your opponents this year. It's just about surviving. Outscore your opponents, get the win, and then the, the culture building, everything you're trying to instill carries over to next year, and hopefully you've got some better players either via National Signing Day and recruiting or via the transfer portal that can help you be in a lot better position than what you are right now. But this Iowa State game is scary, despite the fact that this is a 3-3 a three and three team who is winless in the Big 12, you start looking at their losses in the Big 12, or, or, the, or actually it's 3-4 and four team. It's a 3-4 and four team with, with um, 0-4 in the Big 12. So misspoke there. But you start looking at their four losses in the Big 12, their most one-sided loss in the Big 12, out of the, out of the four that we're talking about, came to Baylor 31-24. This is a touchdown difference. Lost to Kansas State 10-9, Kansas 14-11, and then Texas by a mere field goal 24-21. Yeah, this thing is going to be tight. You are not going to be able to sit down at any point during this game if you're an OU fan. Just go ahead, grab whatever... A lucky charm that you've got sitting around. Grab a stress ball. That's what you need. You're going to need a stress ball and probably a few beers to get through this game. Ultimately, I think OU wins this game, but it's not going to be easy. And the other thing, like everybody's making a big deal about this scheme that Iowa State has and that Brent Venables went up and you talk to the defensive coaches and you start incorporating it. Again, listen to this podcast any amount of time. You know I'm not a scheme guy. I don't care about scheme. Scheme to me is just one of those things that a lot of you know sports talking heads love to spout out. Fans like to feed into right now. And, and the truth of the matter is, when it comes down to football, some things never change. One, better players, the more physical, the more tough players will always win, or at least nine out of ten times they will win. Sure, you can outspeed someone, but you're going to be finesse on defense. And Iowa State's defense, as Ted Roof said, they play tough. They play hard. They play physical. Forget the scheme. Forget the fact that they can go out of a three-man and a four-man front or whatever. Just know that they're coming to lay the wood. And with OU's injury situation being what it is and you not being able to afford to lose Dylan Gabriel, and you know that is pretty much set in stone without Dylan Gabriel, OU really doesn't stand a chance to win many ball games. OU's offensive line is going to have to do probably its best job of blocking all year long, or at least for the rest of the season in this game against Iowa State. It'll be tough. OU will ultimately win. Um, You'd love to see Eric Gray pick up where he left off against Kansas. Um, You'd love to see Gabriel throw the ball around. Heck, you'd just love to see the running backs good. And hopefully the defense can just keep the points to a minimum. Honestly, This has a chance to be a low-scoring game, which favors Iowa State more than it does Oklahoma. But maybe when you're talking about that culture shift and you're talking about getting more mentally and physically tough, if it is a low-scoring game, maybe OU finds a way to win this. And you, you call that a cultural win. It's funny to think that beating Iowa State would be a culture win, but it just might be a culture win for OU if they can pull it off. Lastly, 
this was an interesting, I don't know why the Tulsa World did this, but it, but it sort of made me think I'm glad they did. They went into a deep dive on Brent Venable's contract, and I'm not going to repeat everything they said because you can find it online, and I think this is one of the few articles they don't charge you for. Um, and if you can't find it there, it's on Football Scoop, and footballscoop.com does not charge you for it. Uh, but they go into some bonuses and stuff. By the way, Brent Venables gets a two hundred. $50,000 bonus if he wins seven games. Or, twenty, excuse me, $25,000 $25, bonus if he wins seven games. Yeah, two hundred fifty dollars for winning seven games. Maybe at New Mexico State. I'm not sure New Mexico State has $250,000 in their athletic budget, uh, but not at OU. So it's twenty five grand if he ends up winning seven games this year, which he could easily get. But if you look at his base salary, it's seven mil. If you look at Mike Gundy's base salary, it's seven and a half mil. Mike Gundy has a million dollar escalator in his contract that when the first of the year rolls around, he gets a million added to it. And by 2027, Mike Gundy is going to be making $12.5 million. Brent Venables has a $100,000 escalator, which you let him start accomplishing some of the things that Mike Gundy has accomplished, like winning a conference championship. Um, if you let Brent Venable start accomplishing things like OU coaches have normally accomplished, like winning national championships, then yeah, that contract is going to get reworked. And with OU going into the Southeastern Conference and each school projected to make about $100 million alone just in the television contract here over the next few years, it's not stupid. It's not silly to think that Coaches' salaries in the Southeastern Conference could get upwards of around $20 million. So think about this for a second. Mike Gundy, $12.5 million, may actually top out at Oklahoma State because the projected amount of money that the Big 12 is supposed to get, and again, they're in negotiation rights, will probably be about $40 million a school. Okay, we've talked about this several times. So Mike Gundy tops out. Still, Mike Gundy's probably pretty happy at Oklahoma State. He's not going to look at 20 mil versus 12 and a half mil and go, oh, well, you know, now I got to jump on the train to Tennessee because one, you've got a great athletic department at Oklahoma State. They're supporting him. And as long as he stays there, you're going to win a whole lot of football games. Now, does that 12 and a half mil that he's making in a few years make Oklahoma State fans think that he should, should? not can, should win a national championship. At Oklahoma, certainly if you are paying somebody 20 mil, you better win a national championship. Heck, you're paying the guy 7 mil. You still better win a national championship. And those things don't necessarily go hand in hand because in a way you're paying that money to be competitive, but with that kind of money to spend, and with as anxious as fans are getting now, and with as anxious as athletic directors are getting now, if for some reason Joe Castiglione isn't the athletic director at OU, and the new AD comes in and doesn't have as cool a head as Joe Castiglione, yeah, you could see OU get caught in the same kind of mess that Texas is in now, and A&M is now, where you have this revolving door of coaches, and even though you're paying an astronomical amount of money, you're never quite getting to where you want to be. So regardless of how much you're paying, the big thing you have to look at with an athletic director is just how stable the football program is, how successful it is, and if it's not meeting expectations, 
Your job as the athletic director is to do whatever you can to help the football coach meet those expectations, not listen to guys like me, not read social media, not necessarily listen to those that write checks, even though they are important, and then just out and out fire a guy because somebody's mad because he he had a bad season. Um, and, it, and it's scary. Look, first of all, you're making a, a, a hell of a lot of money, so I guess it's not too scary for coaches out there. But, yeah, you, you're... Your leash is a hell of a lot shorter than what it used to be. And that's something that coaches constantly have to be on the lookout for. It's just that simple. And Mike Gundy at $12.5 million, golly, it's $7.5 million. Seems like a bargain for Oklahoma State. It really does, considering everything that he's overcome and what this guy's accomplished. Um, Coach of the year. Well, even if they make the playoff, probably not a Sonny Dykes, Josh Heupel are certainly going to get votes uh, for that this year. But my gosh, the level of consistency, I don't know how you couldn't be happier with the guy. And for Brent Venables, again, OU, with that kind of money, man, you can attract anybody you want. Question is, is do you necessarily want to do that, especially if he gets this program going where we all know that it can be? So... That finishes up this week. Um, wait a second. Oh, we almost forgot Big 12 picks. We almost forgot them. Uh, our total record right now is 7-5-1, which is pretty much a D average. All right. 7-11-12. Yeah, I'm going to call it a D. Maybe it's a C. I'm not really good with math. I'll call it a D. So you're passing. You're, okay. I would never call a D passing, but you're not failing. I mean, you can move on to the next class, but it's not exactly good. Uh, We won Oklahoma State over Texas last week, Baylor over Kansas, Tech over West Virginia, lost the TCU game, so 4-1, 7-5-1 are total. Real quick, butt bowl, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN2. That's in Lubbock. I'll take Baylor on the road, plus the 2.5 to beat Texas Tech. I've got TCU on the road, minus the 7.5 to beat West Virginia. I'm not picking against the Frogs again. Uh, unless they play Oklahoma State in the uh, championship game. Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Kansas State's a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Don't get it. Don't care. Oklahoma State's the tougher team. They win, and I'll take OU minus the one-and-a-half over Iowa State. We'll be back to check those next week. Thank you very much for listening. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones, A man can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. Have a good week.